0: Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Carraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Sally Deo Gloria. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. It has been just a little while since I have put out an episode. Our church had VBS this week, so uh, getting things ready and helping with that, and and we do an adult VBS, so uh, we had uh, adults in the house as well, and then we had some things come up that we needed to vote on as a congregation that our elders brought before our congregation. So needless to say, there's been some uh, side things going on, actually main things this podcast is a a side thing in my life. So uh, we were dealing with church things over the past week and a half or so and uh, just didn't leave much time for the podcast. But here today and uh, putting out a new episode and there is a lot more going on in our world right now than I could imagine. I know that we were talking about theology before and we were gonna look at that on Tuesdays and then things of our world on Thursdays. So that might change up a little bit. But here's uh, what, I just have to ask the question and I don't think they're, is, uh, and we will get a thousand different answers from a thousand different people, but again, I've asked this question before. What is going on in our world today? And I think the ultimate answer is sin, fallen world. And there's just so much that has come up in the past two weeks alone that I have just been blown away by, that's things that are just happening right here in our country, in our world, that are just the furthest things away from my childhood when I was growing up, things that I never heard about. I mean, there was always some level of danger in every generation, right? But I come from a generation where I was able to ride my bike around the neighborhood at all hours of the day and then be home when the streetlights came on. So I still remember being in that sort of environment and atmosphere. And now my my mother still lives in the home I grew up in, and I wouldn't let my children run around that neighborhood for anything without me. And that's just the world we live in now. We live in completely different worlds, the uh, same world, but a completely different type of world than what we, many of you, grew up in. So some of the things that I have seen really come to light recently and it's nothing new under the sun as as solomon teaches us in the book of ecclesiastes but man have i ever seen a lot of things about uh this just big pedophile ring i've seen a lot of people chalking it up to a conspiracy theory but then you look back over the past few years and you hear about some of the major hollywood stars that have been trying to expose this thing for years Uh, Many of this pedophile ring comes from politicians and uh, uh, high, rich people, I would guess some elite, we would say. And even in Hollywood, uh, the music industry, it's all over the place. And again, some have chalked it up to a conspiracy theory. Others are really trying to expose it for what it is and really getting shut down because it appears that this is the biggest money-making thing on earth is sex trafficking, and the sex slave trade, and it is real, and we can't turn a blind eye to it or pretend it doesn't exist. We can't uh, move on to other things and, and overlook this thing because this is one large thing that we have to be concerned about in our world. We've got so much going on from racist things that are happening still, and it's not necessarily coming from just one side. Now it's coming from other sides. We see this. We see. Uh, a call for defunding police. We see crime rising all over the place where these cities are defunding the police and people wonder, what's going on? Well, you're taking away the very thing that is supposed to help serve and protect you. So there is so much happening still and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, this snowball effect that just seems to keep rolling downhill. The great singer-songwriter Merle Haggard said, Are we rolling downhill like a snowball headed for hell? That seems to be the course and the path for this great nation. And everywhere you turn, there is somebody doing something crazy, saying something crazy. And, oh, let me add this, that many people are suing, pushing back, a lot of arguments and debates going on about whether or not to open school. And that's another thing that's going on in our world today, and and it's a hot topic, and and, and heaven forbid we not talk about masks. I'd hate to to go an episode when we're talking about things in this world and not talk about mask. My state now has a mask mandate, and many people are not complying to that mask mandate. And I can tell you what they are complying to, they are complying to a great debate on mask That has not stopped one bit. I believe until masks are no longer needed, well, let me take that back. I believe we'll prob- probably be talking about a mask for years to come. And uh, it's just so much happening, so much. From the time that we heard about George Floyd to now, there is so much that's going on, so much happening, continuing to happen, and it's almost like we can't catch a breath. Because every time we turn around, there is something new in the news, something that really is going to end up affecting a lot of people, and something else that's happened recently is California has gone backwards again with the reopening of their state, and uh, I believe it's Governor Newsom, Frank Newsom, if I'm not mistaken, it, that he banned all religious services and gatherings indefinitely, and he also said that you can't even have in-home religious meetings. Uh, things like that, man. Everywhere you turn, there's just something going on, and and it wasn't it de Blasio in New York that said you can't do anything basically unless you're you're a protester for Black Lives Matter, you can have those, but you can't have church, you can't have large gatherings, you can't have anything. And if we're honest, we hear these, especially as believers, we hear these things, and it could be very, very discouraging. It could uh, be something that bothers us so much to see all of this happening, to believe that there is something greater at play here, and to not be able to really do anything about it. And as Christians, we see this. We see this as a fallen nature of man. We see this as a being a part of a fallen world. So we can still get discouraged in that. Although we know that it is sinful men and women carrying out sinful plans and just being destructive, we know that there is a greater good at hand. We've talked about this greater good in my church. We've talked about this greater good even on this podcast, that the greater good for believers, even in the midst of a crazy world, even in the midst of suffering, we find in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30, that that greater good is for the believer to be conformed to the image of Christ. Now, sadly, we see many believers being conformed to the image of the world, and Paul also teaches us something about that in Romans chapter 12, I believe. We've even talked about it before, that we see so many churches finding themselves conforming to the pattern of the world, holding on to every little thing that blows that way, anything that they can grab onto, and they leave the Word of God when they do it. So it leaves believers, true believers that stand on the Word, that stands on the true Word of God, that stand against destructive heresies, that stand against racism that stand against Black Lives Matter, the movement, the political party, or not the party, but the political agenda uh, that stand against things that go against the Bible. And then when real believers do that, they are looked at as someone that should be thrown out of society, cast out of society. They should not even have a place in society anymore. Those people that stand on the word of God then become the bigots, which Christians have always been called that. It's just getting bigger and bigger now. So we have always been called uh, people that are serving a dead God, people that are living by an antiquated book. And really this book is living sharper than any two-edged sword. So it's the most powerful weapon that we have especially as believers, and when we use the Word of God to stand on principles, to stand against destructive heresies, to stand against uh, uh, authoritative governments and a dictatorship form of tyranny that they have going on in some areas, when we use this book, we're looked at as the bad people. We're looked at as the enemy, when really it's part of who we are. It's part of us as believers because the Bible teaches us that we will suffer for the sake of the name of Christ. Here's the thing about christianity. We have to remember this Although we see all of these things going on around us and there may be a a sense of suffering that is happening with us I don't think it's full persecution yet, but let me say I do believe it's coming. But although we do have this form of suffering here with us, we have to be reminded that the Bible teaches us that we as believers will suffer like Christ suffers. So here's the thing. Many churches and many people that claim to be believers have fallen into cheap grace and easy believism. And that is not what the Bible teaches. People that fall into this easy believism, cheap grace camp Find themselves wanting the benefits of Christianity without. Having to pay the cost of Christianity now the Bible itself teaches us that we must count the cost before following Christ as we follow Christ we must understand what it will cost us because truly following Christ will cost us something it's going to cost us comfort it's going to cost us friends it's going to cost us uh, not having the most cushy awesome life because the Bible teaches that we will suffer that we will be persecuted before the name of Christ So we have to understand that in these trying times, I'll say they are trying, they are frustrating times, we have to be people that keep a level head, and we have to be people that continue to move forward in grace and holiness with the ultimate goal, becoming more like Christ. Romans 8.18 teaches us, and I think I've read this before, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So we see as believers that this suffering that we go through, this is not going to be the end result for us. Everything that we experience on this side of eternity will pale in comparison to the glory that we will receive when we are fully glorified on the other side of eternity. Now that is for true believers. So let's go ahead and read Romans 8, 28 through 30. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. There's that good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew. Let me just say something about foreknowledge real quick. This doesn't say for those whom he foresaw. Because there is a misconception about foreknowledge that says that God looked down the tunnels of time to see what men and women would do with Christ in the future, in essence, seeing that, and then learning from that, and then making a decision based off what he saw. Here, the Bible says, those whom he foreknew. So he already knew them, and he did not learn anything. For God to learn anything would be considered a heresy, because that leads to open theism, saying that God does not know all things, basically. And even open theists will tell you that they believe God is omniscient, but they still believe that he looks down learns and chooses or elects based off what he saw. But the word here is for new or for knowledge when you see it in the Bible which means to know beforehand. So before the foundations of the world we have to understand that God knew those that would be saved. He didn't see ...who would be saved and then choose based off that. That would be him learning. That would be open theism. That would be heresy. That would not be the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible knew before the foundations of the world those that would be saved. And then here we have in this passage of Scripture that he calls them. Let's keep reading. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And also those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, we are in, as believers, the process of what is called sanctification. This is the process of being made holy, and this happens as we go through these t- trials and experience this suffering in this world, as our faith is strengthened and we become like Christ, as we come, become conformed to the image of Christ, if I can get my words out there. And look back, let's look together at Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, and that good is to be conformed to the image of His Son. So, let's think in terms of what we're going through right now as a nation. I know that many of you are much like me. I think things will be much different after the election in November. I feel like we're waiting out November, to be honest with you. But uh, in the meantime, we do have a real virus we're dealing with. We do have real issues that we're dealing with. We are dealing with governors that are acting out. We're dealing with pedophiles that are abusing and manipulating children for selfish gain, for uh, monetary gain, for pleasure, and it's sickening to even think about that we even have a culture that this is even possible, which it is, and it's happening. It happens everywhere. Every, every month or so, even in my little neck of the woods in northeast Arkansas, I see on the news or on a Facebook page of somebody who's stalking someone and watching their kids and trying to do something with their kids and distract and get them in a van. It's crazy to hear these stories. Many of you hear these stories as well. We have missing children all over the world. So we live in these dark, times and as Christians if we're honest we are suffering at times we are being oppressed by this evil that is in the world today but let me tell you something you know this if you're a believer that evil Satan has been defeated there is nothing that he is going to win God is on his throne and he will never be kicked off he is sovereign over all of this world all of his creation he is not going to be dethroned So we have to understand that because of that, that God is still on his throne and reigning, he's ruling, and everything that is happening is happening under his providential plan, and it is bringing forth a greater good, especially for those that are true believers, those that haven't given in to the cheap grace, easy believism. Let me get the benefits of Christianity without counting the cost. I don't want to suffer. I just want to be blessed. I don't want to be persecuted. I just want to be healthy. I don't want to be killed for my faith. I just want to be wealthy. See, we've given into this cheap grace. Some of us have, some people have, and never counted the cost of what it looks like to follow Christ. And it will cost you something in this world to be a true believer. And some of this maybe even freedoms that we experience. Some of this may be uh, just the comfort that we experience living in America. There may be coming a time where you and I have to walk under the cover of night to get to a gathering of the saints to, to be able to sing and pray and worship together, and then walk back under the cover of night hoping not to get caught to be asked where we've been. We see persecution happening in China right now. And now we've even seen where China is telling their people to not worship Jesus Christ, but to worship their president. And I think there may be some things that go along with that. If you don't do that, then you could be persecuted even more. So many of these things that are happening in China will be making their way to the United States in in, in just a matter of time. It's coming to where the suffering all of a sudden will lead to persecution and we will experience it. There was a time where I used to think that this would be something that my kids, kids, kids would have to endure. But now I believe I potentially might endure true persecution of the church as well as my kids even now. And if I don't experience it, then I'm willing to bet that my kids will experience it. So if they are going to experience it, then it's just going to be uh, continuing until Jesus comes back. And when Jesus comes back, there will be glorification for those that are in Christ. So we are in this sanctification period where we are being made holy. We are being made to conform to the image of Christ. And we look to him and not to the world. If we look to the world, we are going to find ourselves some of the, to be some of the most depressing, some of the most frustrated, tired believers there have ever been. Do you know what the early church did? They scattered from persecution, they fled persecution, but they continued to preach the gospel boldly. And even we see that uh, they were there experiencing persecution, Acts chapter four, go back and read that. They were persecuted and then they gathered together and they prayed for boldness amidst this persecution to continue to preach the gospel. They didn't find themselves huddled up in prayer saying, God, please help our nation. Please help us. We're scared. We don't know what to do. We know what to do as believers and it is to get outside and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are persecuted for it, that's part of the cost of following Christ. If you are put in jail for it, that's part of the perse- uh, part of the suffering and persecution and what it's going to cost you to follow Christ. So we are to get out there and preach the gospel, not cower in fear. The early church praying for boldness after being persecuted was continued to be persecuted. Yet they continued to preach Christ and Christ crucified. Why? Because many of them had seen and walked with Christ. Many of them knew Christ. They, they believed what they saw. And when he died, buried, and rose again, they continued to preach that gospel that they so uh, were, were deeply saved by. They were saved by the good news of Jesus Christ, so they continued to preach that to see other men and women saved by it as well, even in the face of persecution. The early church did not have this cheap grace, easy believism, let me see what I can get for being part of the church, let me see what kind of swag I can get, you know, that stuff we all get, these cool things these churches are giving out to first-time guests, these awesome things that are happening in these churches. Let me see what I can get to be a part of this church. When, when the Bible teaches us, we, we have to give. We have to give. We have to teach. We have to preach. We have to get the gospel into the world. We have to disciple, even in the face of persecution. Let me tell you what I believe, that when true persecution hits American soil, we are definitely gonna find out the, who are the wheat and who are the tares, as the Bible talks about. The wheat and the chaff. It'll be separated. You're gonna see a lot of churches fold under the pressure because they don't wanna give in. However... I believe you're going to see a lot of churches give in and bow to the culture, and you're going to see all sorts of agendas be able to take place in the church, like LGBTQ, they'll become part of the church. Their sin will not be uh, talked about. That will not even be a thing amongst the church when that happens. You'll see churches basically turn into, well, I wouldn't say churches. I would say probably like The church in uh, Revelation that uh, Jezebel uh, was, or referenced Jezebel, was leading. Uh, The name of that church escapes me right now, but it was not a good church, and the Lord is about to bust the door down and uh, rain some judgment on those churches. As a matter of fact, uh, we have already in our area a church that is LGBTQ inclusive, and I, I'm sure there's more than one. And and listen, I don't I, I want to be careful here not to um, really uh, run anybody in the ground. But th- th- this one church that we do have, the quote unquote pastor is a former female that has transitioned to male, and m- much of that church is LGBTQ. They would fall in that lifestyle. And I personally wouldn't call it a church. I don't want to attack anyone, but it is not a church, but they are promoting themselves as a church. And here's the sad thing, is that this group is doing a lot of serving in our community, when many other churches are just sitting back not. So they are serving our community. We could probably learn something there, but we cannot condone that lifestyle. I don't think we can call it a church, and I don't think we can call the pastor a pastor because everything is done in the eyes of God, as the Bible says, as an abomination. So we see this happening in little small towns like I live in, and it's happening all across the world. I've seen documentaries of, of these kind of churches happening all over the South, especially. Uh, we, we see it. it, it's coming up. This is gonna be part of who uh, many government people and entities want to see the church look like. Is this all-inclusive church? And I think we're moving toward that at a rapid pace and anybody that pushes against that will be persecuted. So we must be careful now to see where we stand when it all starts. Are we going to stand in the face of persecution and we're going to continue to be bold by preaching the word of God, preaching the true word of God and not capitulating when it comes to doctrine and theology, or are we going to bow down when the persecution starts and be all inclusive and really destroy what a true church is I for one am willing to do whatever it takes uh, I don't say that as being arrogant I don't say that as being puffed up I say that as a, a wretched sinner saved by the grace of God that can do no other than stand for him even in the midst of he- heavy persecution and I look at it like this uh, Paul in Philippians chapter one says to live is Christ to die is gain and uh, if, if, if I die i die then it is my gain because I leave this sinful world and I am present with my Savior and glorification can now commence. But even Paul in that passage in Philippians chapter one says it'd be beneficial for the people at Philippi for him to stay because he can disciple those people. It'd be much fruit uh, on Paul's account because he would be able to produce fruit in others as he stays and disciples them and helps them mature in the Lord. So that is a call to not only myself, but to all pastors, leaders, and Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ everywhere, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Yes, if you're a true believer, you're going to, de- to gain. You're going to gain eternity. You're going uh, to gain true undefiled worship before the Lord for all of eternity. You will be glorified, and we are all looking forward to that, we're all looking forward to the glory that will be revealed to us there, as Romans 8.18 teaches us. But if we are to live... Until we die, we must be fruitful. We must be preaching the gospel. We must be discipling others. We must be pouring our lives into others and living for the Lord, even in the face of persecution. So what do we do with all this? What do we do in the meantime as we wait? Well, we do just that. We preach the gospel, we make disciples, and we wait for the Lord's return. I was reading this morning, in uh second peter chapter three and the heading above chapter three where it begins is the day of the lord will come now i don't i don't want to read all of this to you for the sake of time and and you can go read chapter three of second peter yourself if you would like to uh let me just start in verse eight though and i'll read through this maybe we can get some context here it says but do not overlook this one fact beloved that with the lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count as slowness, but is patient toward you. Praise God. Uh, let's talk another 30 minutes on patience of the Lord. Uh, let's, we, we could, but I won't. I am grateful for the patience of God, even as a believer, that he has patience with me. It's amazing, the God that we do serve, that he would be patient toward sinful, fallen creatures such as me and you. But he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting four and hastening the coming of the day of the of god because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn but according to his promise we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells that is really what we are waiting on here on this side of eternity we're waiting on the coming lord where everything will be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble, and we will have a new heaven and a new earth that Revelation teaches us, where God will be with his people and we will be with God. And as Peter says here, the place in which righteousness dwells. No more unrighteousness, no more tyrannical governors, no more uh, pedophiles, no more more mass debates, praise God. There will be no more sin, sorrow, suffering, sickness, death. There will just be... Pure righteousness for all of eternity. Pure undefiled worship for all of eternity. We just wait on that. We wait on the Lord. What a day that will be. The old song says, When my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. What a day that is going to be when we stand perfected in Christ. So I, I hope That as you navigate these tough, difficult times as a believer, that you would not forget why we're here. We're here to give God glory, preach the gospel, build one another up, and wait on the day of the Lord. He's coming like a thief in the night, and all of this will be made new. I'm looking forward to that day. I hope you are as well. I hope you're a believer. I hope that you have truly repented of your sins and trusted in Christ Jesus for salvation because cheap grace and easy believism will not do it for you. It will not get you to heaven. It will not get you glorified one day and it will not even sanctify you because there's nothing to sanctify because you have not been justified, declared not guilty or receiving the righteousness of God. So I pray that you are a true believer in Christ. If not, the Bible says to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to acknowledge your sin, confess your sin, ask forgiveness for your sin, turn from that sinful lifestyle, and put your faith in Christ alone for salvation, believing that he left his throne in glory, believing that he came to this earth and died for your sins. He was buried, and three days later he rose again, and he is now seated at the right hand of God, and one day he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that you will be saved. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and just read those final two passages of Scripture so you can hear it from the Word of God, and we will close out our time here together. The Bible says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And verse 10 of Romans 10 goes on to say, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So I pray that you would believe and confess Jesus is Lord today, if you haven't already. Not for the benefits, but because you are a sinner in need of a savior, and you repent and believe and be saved by grace through faith. I hope you have enjoyed today. I know it's a lot of kind of the same, but I think we need to be reminded of the gospel during this difficult time that we find ourselves in. So I pray that you would continue to preach the gospel, make disciples, give God glory, and exalt Christ as we wait on his return. Until then, have a great day, and God bless.